The psalm in today's Mass says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right. I'm very happy to have a deacon sitting at my right today. Um, I learnt when he announced yesterday that he was ordained 23 years ago, that he's actually been a cleric longer than I have, just about. Um, so very happy to have Deacon Ken officiate at Mass today, officially marking his retirement from active diaconal ministry, which is effective next weekend. He'll say a few words uh, at the end of the Mass. The liturgical year has presented for our contemplation the central mysteries of our Lord Jesus Christ's work of redemption, from his incarnation to his birth, his baptism, the temptations in the wilderness, his passion, death, resurrection, and ascension, and followed by the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and then the feast of all three persons of the Blessed Trinity, which we kept last Sunday. But even as we have now moved into ordinary time, during which the public life of our Lord will be presented to us, today it is as if the three persons of the Blessed Trinity wish to take us back to Jesus, and to Jesus considered in his Eucharist. Even though we celebrated the institution of the Eucharist and the institution of the priesthood on Holy Thursday, the night he was betrayed, Today we contemplate not just the institution of the Eucharist, but the abiding and real presence of our Lord in the blessed sacrament of his body and blood. As Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene in his work Divine Intimacy remarks uh, for this feast, this is the journey of the Christian soul, from Jesus to the Father to the Trinity, from the Trinity from the Father to Jesus. Jesus brings us to the Father, the Father draws us to Jesus. And all of this is accomplished, of course, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Father and the Son. Even as Jesus ascended to heaven to be at the right hand of the Father, he wished to remain with us. He wished to remain with the church, for he knows we cannot do without him. In his last great encyclical of April 2003, Pope St. John Paul II wrote in that encyclical entitled Ecclesia de Eucharistia, the Church draws her life from the Eucharist. This truth, the saintly Pope continued, recapitulates the heart of the mystery of the Church. In a variety of ways, she joyfully experiences the constant fulfillment of the promise, Lo, I am with you always, to the close of the age. But in the Holy Eucharist, through the changing of bread and wine into the body and blood of the Lord, she, the Church, rejoices in this presence with unique intensity. Yes, it's true. Bread and wine change into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. On a feast of Corpus Christi many years ago, Pope Benedict XVI said that as the institution of the Eucharist was commemorated on Holy Thursday under the shadow of Christ's looming death, 
So on Corpus Christi, we contemplate the Eucharistic mystery in the light of the resurrection. We could perhaps say that as the Mass is always and primarily the commemoration and representation of Christ's death, which is why we so preferably, preferentially refer to it as the sacrifice of the Mass, the presence of our Lord in our tabernacles is a reminder of his resurrection, for he is present not as one about to die, but as one who is alive and risen. Even this is expressed in signs in the Mass, at the commingling of that small particle of the consecrated host with the precious blood in the chalice. After the separation of Christ's body and blood on the cross is mystically represented by the separate consecration first of the bread and then of the wine, so the uniting of the body and blood with that commingling of the consecrated host and the, and the consecrated wine mystically represents Christ's resurrection. As the priest says, may this commingling and consecration of the body and blood of Christ make us fit for eternal life. That is, fit for the resurrection at the last day. And in the traditional Latin Mass, it is only after this commingling that the sign of, mass is, sign of peace is exchanged amongst the ministers, peace being the particular offering of the risen Christ. Do you believe in this literal transformation or transubstantiation of the bread and wine into Christ's body and blood? If at times you find it difficult, you're not in bad company. In 1263, a priest was on his way from Prague to Rome and he stopped at Bolsena near Orvieto in Italy. He was a good, pious priest, but he did at times find it hard to believe that the bread and wine could truly change into Christ's body and blood when he recited the words of consecration. I think every priest asks himself that question from time to time, if not at every Mass. Can this truly be the case? That when I say these words, this bread and this wine are no longer bread and wine, but a Christ's body, blood, soul and divinity. Well, while that good and pious priest was celebrating Mass as he stopped in Bolsena, he had barely spoken the words of consecration when blood started to seep from the consecrated host and trickle over his hands and onto the corporal. It is one of many Eucharistic miracles. After an investigation, the host and the corporal were brought to Orvieto in procession and placed in the cathedral. And to this day, pilgrims may venerate that blood-stained corporal in the cathedral at Orvieto. And thus began the traditional Corpus Christi processions, which um, I hope we'll organize for this feast day next year. Didn't have time uh, to, with all my commuting up and down the I-5, to uh, get a procession organized this year. But with your help, uh, we'll be able to do it next year.
I'm currently reading a book by a great uh, theologian, the, the, the late Father Reginald Garigou Lagrange. It was published in 1952, and it's entitled The Priest in Union with Christ. And there's a section there called, uh, entitled Spiritual Fervor in Holy Communion. What he says can apply equally to those who are not priests. He says, and I quote, In normal circumstances, the sacrament of the Eucharist not only preserves but also increases our charity, together with the infused virtues and the seven gifts. For that reason, each communion ought to be more fervent than the previous one. Each communion should also prepare us to receive the sacrament with even greater love on the following day. As the speed of a moving body increases the nearer it approaches its center of attraction, so should our progress towards God follow the same law of acceleration. Here, Gary, and Garigou Lagrange goes on and reminds us also of the words of St. Augustine, quote, Grow and you will feed on me, for I am the food of grown men. I shall not be changed into you like that which feeds your body, but you will be changed into me. Thus, we find the saints reaching the peak of their spiritual life in their later years on the eve of their eternal youth. End of quotation. In other words, the repeated reception of our Lord in the Holy Eucharist should be leading us to a deeper fervor, a life of deeper holiness, and it should be accelerating as we move through life so that when we do die, we are ready, it's the perfect time, and the Lord comes and says, now you're ready, because you've reached as far as it is possible to reach with your fervent receptions of Holy Communion. Now come in to my presence in heaven. We are like the hungry crowds in today's Gospel upon whom our Lord showed so much pity. As he knew their hunger, he knows ours too, and desires not only to feed us, but to be our very food. And he also appoints and needs those who will feed the hungry crowds, the apostles, his priests, symbolized by the twelve wicker baskets of leftover fragments. We therefore m must pray for such sacred ministers, for vocations to the sacred ministry, and for the holiness of the priests, and for deacons too, whose particular ministry is the distribution of the chalice. The priesthood of Christ is foreshadowed by the priesthood of Melchizedek, whom we heard about in the first reading from the book of Genesis, and who is named in the Roman canon, Eucharistic Prayer 1. This priest of God who offered bread and wine, just as the priests of the new covenant do. So let us pray that the Lord will continue to call men to the priesthood, that others may hear the call to serve as deacons, and that our faith in the Blessed Sacrament may increase, as also the fervor with which we receive, that we might come to the point where we simply cannot live without the Eucharist.